Hi, Osha here. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for downloading. And I'm really grateful that you're here. You are listening to a podcast. Thank you. You're awesome. As you know, podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. So to help pay the two people that help me make this show excellent, that is uh, Rachel Barrett, my show producer, and Andy Marr, my audio producer, to help pay them because they're bloody awesome and they deserve to earn money because it's their job. I need to play an ad every now and again. So you're either going to hear an ad You might even hear me read an ad, or you might not, depending on where you are in the world, how you're listening. Either way, thank you. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What are we doing wrong as a society when one of our mates, they'll give you an example of a very dear friend of mine who lost his family and would have lost his life. Everywhere he went, people were punching in the arm saying, have one, you soft cock, harden up, have another one, what's wrong with you? Now, these are people who knew his family had left. And when his mates realised he wasn't going to weaken and have a drink, they stopped inviting him to barbecues and they isolated him socially. Would you say to your mate who's got cancer, have a ciggy, mate, you'll be right? Would you do that or would you say, don't you bloody touch it, we've got you? All he's doing is saying, no, thank you, and we're isolating him when he's already geographically isolated. In the city, we could go and find a different social circle. You can't do that in the bush. This is your community that you have grown up with and been with your whole life and now they're shunning you because you're sober. And I went, that is absolute bullshit. That is not good enough. That is the founder of Sober in the Country, Shanna Wan. And this is episode 362 of Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg and this is a podcast that hopes to help you make today just a little bit better than yesterday. Something that you hear on the show today will make you go to bed tonight and just go, hey, you know what? Yeah, today was a good one. And in fact, I'd say it was better than yesterday. I've been here every Monday and Friday since 2013, and I'm grateful that you're here today as well. On Mondays, I speak with a guest. On Fridays, I speak with you. And um, there's 362 other interviews to listen to, and I don't know how many episodes on a Friday. Thanks to all the podcast email that I get. I'm so grateful to get it from you. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Thanks heaps. A lot of people asked me to get Shanna Wan on the show today, and I'm super grateful that we finally managed to line it up. Uh, you can find her on Instagram and Facebook, Sober in the Country. A lot of underscores in the Instagram version, but you know how to use your keyboard, so I'll let you take care of that. Um, she's great, and um, the emails are, are awesome. I'm really grateful to know that the episodes are really helping, whatever they may be, be it a conversation that picks your mind to a direction you might not have otherwise considered. Those episodes are are always out there. On on a Friday, uh, the episodes have actually been really cutting through, and it's fantastic to hear that in the emails that you write to me. Send us your email at gmail.com. So I'm really grateful that you deserve to feel better, which is the episode out that came out on Friday, and that seemed to do a lot for people, and I'm really grateful for that. 
as well as the Zali Stegel episodes. A lot of people who really got right on board with the Zali Stegel episode, and that's a biggie. Um, there's still time today. There's still time to email and fax and phone your MP and let them know that you support Zali Stegel's climate bill, which we talked all about last week. But really, there is no time like the present. And considering the outcome of the US election, if Australia doesn't act fucking fast on just absolutely locking in net zero by 2050, we are just going to be left out of the room when it comes to investment opportunities, when it comes to economic support, when it comes to anything. So this is something we have to do as a country. We have to one way or the other. So please reach out and support your um, MP and let them know that you support this. You're a voter and I care about this and I want you to support it. And um, yeah, I would please, I would encourage you to do that. Thanks heaps also to all the support on Twitch. Now, if you don't know what Twitch is, it's a live streaming platform that I have been on for about three months now. And basically I'll get on there, I ride my bike or I have a chat and there's a chat room that goes by on Twitch. And in the chat, I speak to people and it's really great. We have conversations and we interact really well. It's really a meaningful interaction, a very honest interaction. And uh, I'm really grateful for it. And there's some really, there's a fun community. There's a cool little group of people that are hanging out there and I really, really like it. So I guess the other thing as well is that if this show does bring you value, if you would like to contribute to this show more than uh, nicely listening to the ads that we put on this show, you can by subscribing to my channel on Twitch. It doesn't cost much, but it goes a really, really long way because, yeah, I've got to pay Andy and Rachel. I've got to – all the stuff that I do outside of TV is its own kind of – you know, income stream situation. So I've got to justify it uh, somehow. And um, it really helps. It really, really, really helps me. It helps me an enormous amount with things like equipment and and stuff like that. So I'm really, really grateful. So thanks heaps for the emails. You can always find me, send us your email at gmail.com. And thanks for sending me pictures of where you're listening because that is uh, always awesome. I love that. Oh, the Australian Crested Dove. Bit of big week here. I'm working on a project that is... uh, pretty massive, but I can't talk about it just yet because it's one of those, you know, secret things that I can't talk about just yet. But it's a big project. It's a pretty big fucking deal. I'm grateful that I'm working with an extraordinary team who've worked together a long time and they are very, very, very good at what they do and they have asked me to be a part of this project and I'm I'm grateful. So I'm on on the I'm a part of that team and we're working really hard on it. Um it's great. It's extra excellent. There's some long days, some intense, intense, emotionally intense days been hard to find time to train like i've been pretty lucky the last couple of months you know to be honest to be able to train the entire time that you know i can train for an hour if i want in the morning between me and audrey we're able to cover that with wolfie's naps but there's none of that if i'm out of the house at 7 15 there's no time for that but i have found that i just need to make it a priority to bash out 20 squats and then 10 push-ups and then do that five times and then you leave the house going right i did you know, 100 squats and 50 push-ups. That takes me 10 minutes, 15 minutes, less than that sometimes. And then it's done. It's done. And you go through the day, that little extra serotonin, that little boost that helps you, helps me shift mood states through the day. And it's really, really, really good. So, you know, that may not be your thing. You don't, like I, I like to say, you don't have to do everything, but you can't do nothing. So you can do something. It might even just be sit down in a chair, stand up from the chair. Do that 20 times over the course of 10 minutes. That might be enough, just enough to get your body moving and you'd be surprised at how much that affects your brain. Um, That's been really important for me getting through this week. We are going to talk a lot about sobriety today. So if conversations about sobriety are interesting to you, you may want to scroll all the way back through into your podcast feed to episode 257 with former Olympic diver, Matthew Mitchum. Matthew is an extraordinary man. We talked a lot about his diving. We talked a lot about uh, sexuality. We talked mostly about recovery, and it's a cracking conversation. Figuring out the difference between the things that you can control Mm. and the things that you can't control. So I can control how much work I put in on a daily basis. I can't control the outcome. I could be the best in the world at my job, for example, but there might be other people who make the decisions about who actually gets the job. There could be other factors at play. I could be the best in the world at my job, but I'm ugly, and it's a it's a job that requires a beautiful face. So you know, you're not, but exactly, exactly. it's just being aware of the things that I can control, yeah. the things that I can't control, and I can control how much work I put in. 
then just have faith that if I put in enough work, stuff will happen. That's episode 257 with Olympic diver Matthew Mitchum. He's full of wisdom in that chat. In fact, I still carry one of the things he told me that day with me every single day. He says um, something along the lines of, you, you end up building a life in recovery that you are not willing to lose. So no matter how great the temptation is to drink or use again, um, he's absolutely right, I think. I know that if I were to drink or use again, everything that I have here would eventually go away within a number of weeks or months. And I'm not willing to do that. So as tasty as that beer looks on a hot day, nah, it's not worth it. And then it's a great chat. I highly recommend it. Episode 257 with Olympic diver Matthew Mitchum. So let me tell you about my guest today. Shanna Wan is the founder of the charity organization Sober in the Country. You can find her on Instagram, Sober in the Country with lots of underscores, or on Facebook with probably less less underscores. Does what it says on the box. You know, here in the city where I live, where a lot of you live, because I look at the downloads and know where you live. Not where you live, but the city, basically, (laughs) the area. It's one thing to do. It's, It's not that difficult to actually to reach out for help. No, you can go see a GP, you can, you know, go and hit a meeting, you can get a lot of, you can be anonymous if need be, you can drive across town and find a meeting that no one knows you and you can get help with an addiction problem and it's really effective. In the country, not so easy, particularly if you live in a, in a smaller rural area where everybody, everybody knows your name. I'll let Shanna tell the story. However, there is a lot here that you might relate to. So if there's, if there's stuff that comes up here that you go, oh yeah, that's okay. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, so if you do need help, if drinking and using is something that's starting to get um, a little too much, a little out of hand, like if you can't remember the last day that you didn't have a drink, if a little habit is starting to turn into a big problem, if when you think about things that haven't gone the way you would have liked them in the last little while and every time alcohol's involved, um, I'm here to tell you that there is help out there. Now, Shannon and I talk about meetings quite a bit. There's plenty of them. A quick internet search will get you lined up with meetings in your area quicker than you can say, yeah, but I don't have a problem, which is something to look out for because the most intense and prominent symptom of addiction is that it convinces you that you aren't an addict. Meanwhile, you end up justifying more and more damaging and unhealthy behaviors under the banner of, yeah, but I don't have a problem. So, if this conversation does bring up anything for you, if you you see a few things that are familiar, perhaps if, you know, overly familiar, please know there's plenty of help out there and you deserve a life that is free of that help and I'm here to tell you it's going to be okay and it just gets better. It just gets better. So, without further delay, let's cross via the NBN, way out west where the rain don't fall, and chat with Shanna Wan. I reckon there's a specific area we should go, but I obviously I'm governed Hit me. by you. What do you want to do? Well, I think Osh, my story is like every. Sorry, I just said Osh again. Gee, I think my story is like every gun variety recovered alcoholic in the planet, and I'd rather talk about other people and the wider issues in rural Australia. Okay, that's my heart and my passion. So I wonder if it's possible to maybe lead in with. I don't know. What were you thinking after having a look? Or do you like well, to let's, let's Okay, so we're talking today because you've uh, created a wonderful thing called Sober in the Country. We have yeah. been in touch on and off over a little while yeah. and um, gratefully and uh, are linking this up to do this podcast today. Yeah. So people know my story of drinking. Yeah. I'll give the very quick version, then maybe you can give your very quick version, and then we can get on to the work you're doing, yeah? Okay, cool. So... You know, people who, if this is their first ever podcast, they may not know that either the whispery guy or the shouty guy on the telly, depending on which show you're watching. Yes. I've been sober 10 and a half years because- I know. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Well, I was using alcohol like many young Australian men to manage a mental illness. And like many drugs, that medication or that that, that self-administered medication, I needed a larger and larger dose to feel it all normal or together or accepted. And that dose started to get completely unsustainable and I started started yeah. to get dangerous yeah. and it, then it became impossible for me to not do it. And the impossible to not do it part is a thing that some people might reach for. But the, yeah. meta- the metaphor I like to use is like, imagine getting bitten by a really nasty mosquito and then me telling you to not itch it. 
Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. be like, I don't care yeah. anything you're yeah. saying. You might be watching your firstborn child calling your name for the first time. You'd be like, I don't care. I've got to itch this thing. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. You might yeah. be, you know, about to watch your favourite team win the grand final. You'd be like, I don't care. I've got to itch this thing. Nothing matters. <laughs> Nothing matters yeah. until you do it. And that's the trap you get stuck in. And then you feel horrible yeah. for doing it. And, you know, the great way to get out of those horrible feelings more drinking. So uh-huh. um, okay. that's basically it. And then, okay. you know, you could, the story is, my story is not new or unique or fantastic. It's, um, you know, a story that's been told a hundred thousand times. I grew up learning how to drink in Brisbane, which is, I guess it's the sons of the landed gentry, which I believe are <laughs> your neighbours. Um, <laughs> and so the Brisbane drinking was pretty country drinking, which is, oh, we're drinking? I better wear my wellies then because I don't want to get vomit on my good shoes. And <laughs> that's pretty much how it went from the moment the first bottle can or cardboard box of wine got cracked. It wouldn't stop until you were blotto. And that was it. There was no in-between. That was yeah. it. That's, that's how we drank. And that was fun until it wasn't. And then I had to stop. So I'm wondering, was, you, was that a similar experience to you? Absolutely it was. Word for word, except instead of wellies, we were, in, um, we were probably in our work boots um, or our double pluggers. And, um, yeah, yeah. We, the, the more you vomited or passed out, the better you were. You fucking no legend! Yeah, Absolute Shane, legend! Shane, fucking Shane, yeah. <laughs> Like that sort of thing? <laughs> Pretty much. That's yeah, yeah. actually quite apt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what part of the country were you in at this point in time? Uh, so it, the northwest of New South Wales has pretty okay. much always been home, so that'll do. Burke, Broken Hill, Moree, that kind of around there somewhere? Well, Moree, Narrabri, Colorinabri. Oh, around there. But then, but then about 200,000 geographicals in the okay. lifetime of Shanna won the trend. Uh, <laughs> so, so people who don't know what a geographic is, I, I talk. <laughs> I have talked about it in my book. A geographic is when you go, oh, the problem's not me. The problem's where I am and who I'm with. So I will <laughs> go far away. And then everything will be better once I get to this other place. And then you get to this other place and John Kabat-Zinn is unfortunately right because wherever you go, there you are. And then everything that was a problem becomes a problem again very quickly. And it doesn't matter where you end up. I fucking went across the other side of the world and it was the same. (laughs) You know? doesn't work, does it? It's so no. irritating. No, it's totally irritating. <laughs> but, you know, I was lucky in that I got sober in Los Angeles where it's a very – it's not a, such a dissimilar drinking culture, but it's a very different attitude towards sobriety um, that I found. What was it like trying to get sober and trying to explain to people that you're not drinking when you're knee-deep, literally, in that kind of drinking culture of the country? Oh, my God. It was so hard. It was so, so hard. The stigmas, the fear, coming against cultural barriers was probably the the biggest thing because what I now understand six years in is that uh, rural Australia is pretty much a high-functioning alcoholic, you know, and we revel and glorify in alcoholic drinking. We literally measure a man by how much booze he can put away in the country. That's how... (laughs) that's how we measure our mates. So when you step away from that and you've been the Shanna all your life and believe you me, I earned my stripes as the wildest, craziest, most insane piss wreck, quote unquote, of them all, it was like learning to be a new human. It was like learning to walk all over again. It was overwhelming. It was really scary and very lonely. A very Australian word, piss wreck. Uh, if (laughs) If you are unfamiliar with that word, what can you describe what a piss wreck is? Um, so, oh, yeah, because in the US, being pissed is actually being cranky, whereas in Australia, being pissed is being full down, rotten drunk. So, piss wreck literally means ruined when drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of things started to happen all the time when you were drinking? So, as I always try and explain to people for 18-year-old Shanna off the back of, you know, trauma versus 38-year-old Shanna at end-stage alcoholism, there were different scales, you know, from one end to the other. In the beginning, it was just party hard, blackout, do crazy stuff, get talked about. But in the end, it was removing myself, taking myself away from people, drinking behind closed doors and just, just drinking myself into a big black hole. Yeah. For me, that was two to three bottles of wine behind closed doors after five. But, Osha, I decided that because I had great hair and a great job and a beige Land Rover – no, I'm only kidding. I've never had a Land Rover. Um, I just thought, I can't be an alcoholic. 
I can't possibly be, you know? Yeah. I was just a walking, talking cliche. Oh, yeah. I, I most definitely did that one. I was like, no, no, no. But if I buy a $30 bottle of wine, I'm a, connoisse- <laughs> I'm a connoisseur. I'm not a drunkard. I'm a connoisseur because I'm enjoying this Pinot Noir that has been brought in from New Zealand. And I've got gorgeous, long, curly surfer hair and a hot bod. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It was it's crazy, pre- isn't it? Pretty grim. But then the day comes when you realize you just can't mm. continue on. What were those first weeks and months like? Having been identified as a pisserek for so long by everyone in your inst- in, in your quite, I'm guessing, intimate community, mm. that would have been very difficult to have people relate to you differently. Everything changed, yeah. Everything changed. Um, I literally was no longer the girl that everyone expected me to be. And I often actually refer to who I was as a drunk, as a performing monkey. Feed me rum and watch me go. Wind me up, watch me go. That was my life before sobriety. I was always guaranteed to be the stupidest, loudest, wildest, riskiest, whatever. So when I suddenly had to either stop drinking or die, I just removed myself from society because it was the only way I could do it. So people did one of two things. They either supported me completely when I came out, as I call it, as an alcoholic. They either said, oh, my God, Shan, thank you so much for being honest with us. It's about time. You know, we knew you weren't okay. Or they said, how ridiculous to have another drink. There's nothing wrong with you. So it was a polarizing effect within the community. And what I can tell you is that six years down the track, my entire friendship circle and structure has irrevocably changed. Yeah. It's irrevocably changed mine and my husband's yeah. lives, actually. Absolutely. And there's, yeah, there's definitely people that you just realise, oh, I only knew them because they would always be around for a six-pack and a bag. Okay. All right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, who, whose house can I go to on a Friday night and get inappropriately pissed? Oh, I'll go to Shan's. She loves that. Yeah. 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 You know, people who have problematic drinking patterns hang out with people who have problematic drinking patterns. So yeah. all my mates were piss wrecks. Hey. And do you know what? I still adore the people who have stood by me, but some of them rejected me outright and ostracized me when I stopped drinking. So thank God for the gifts of sobriety. As you would know, Osha, along with that comes self-respect and self-esteem. And many years later, I'm very pleased that I was able to step back from that and go, okay, that's no longer a part of my life I am interested in anyway. So, yeah. yay for self-esteem <laughs> at the age of 45. <laughs> hey, you got to find it. You, you gotta <laughs> find, life's much better when you have it. <laughs> it is, it is. Once you started discovering, you know, life on the other side, what made you want to start? I mean, obviously, sober in the country is a, quite a big deal now. Where did it, where was it, where was it, its origins? Where did it begin? Well, it was one little garden variety alcoholic stuck in the middle of whoop whoop going, oh my God, I have to get sober in the country. How how is that even a thing? How the hell do I even do that? So, you know, and it's always so hard because this is this is my passion. This is where I come alive. I'm Like I said to you at the intro, I'm actually sick of telling my story because my heart burns day and night for justice for other people. That's kind of what drives Shanna Wan in 2020. And Sober in the Country was essentially taking a story of someone slipping through the cracks in rural Australia and trying to make it a bigger conversation to help others. That's all. But it began as a volunteer, an exhausted, broke human, namely myself, (laughs) crawling back from the brink of death and sharing my stories because I spent the first several years of my sobriety actually doing what was suggested of me by some legendary older mates of mine within AA circles, actually. And they said, you should start a meeting in your community and help others. And I went, that sounds awesome. And guess what happened when I started a meeting in my community and baked scones and opened the building and sat there? Nothing happened. Nobody came. I was a big fat loser sitting in a church hall all by my own self, as I describe it, going, where is everybody? Oh, don't they know I'm sitting here waiting to hug them and feed them scones and tell them there's a way out of this hell? But the problem is, Osha, you can't be anonymous in a small country town. So sober in the country is not me as an individual nor us as a national charity reinventing the wheel. There's plenty of awesome wheels that have already been invented. Basically, what I decided to do was recalibrate a wheel for bush conditions 
and I have simply been the bozo who's gone first for six years now. And it's really funny. Someone said to me the other day, oh, my God, you're like an overnight success. And I I just said some ex, yeah, expressive words and went, dude, there's like 15,000 volunteer hours in conversations that I have put into breaking the back of discussions around sobriety in the bush. This is the hardest thing this is harder than sobriety. Right. <laughs> Opening up conversations around sobriety in rural Australia, you got to tread this with some big caution because otherwise you will be sent to another country and <laughs> and excommunicated for daring to even raise this issue. You know, so this charity began as a blog and it's evolved over time. But I believe, Osha, the reason that has happened and is now gaining really rapid momentum is because I'm just one of many. Yeah. I'm just the face of this story in the country. Yeah. And I wish it was a slightly younger face, but hey, here we are. You're fabulous. So for people who don't uh, or maybe this is their first time hearing mm. it, they might have they might have seen what a 12-step program looks like on telly. Mm. They might have seen it in a cop show or a movie or something like that. People sitting around in a circle drinking coffee out of a paper cup, you know. Hey, and clapping yep. their hands. Welcome, Bob. Great to have you here. <laughs> Welcome, Bill. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Because uh, <laughs> at first, I mean, now, obviously, I need to be careful about disclosure. And I need to be careful about my anonymity, and I would be very careful not to break that. Yet, I don't give a fuck now. I'll show up to a 12-step meeting on Zoom, and I don't give a shit. You know, yeah, yeah. But at first, I was terrified, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. terrified of walking in and putting my hand up. Okay, absolutely. And so that is what you're describing. That's the thing that pe- kept people from coming to taste your scones that day. So, because <laughs> what people may not understand is that it might be super scary to show up to your first meeting, and mm-hmm. I was too scared to go alone. So I needed to t- get someone to take me. Yeah. But once you're there. Literally within half an hour, it was like, all oh, right, everyone here's like me. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> and it was fine. But it's the thing of not wanting to walk through the door and put your hand up and say, you know, this is it. It's that first step really is. It's publicly taking that first step. That is the thing that keeps people away for a long, 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 yeah. long, long time. And and sometimes too long and sometimes it's a little too late. So yes. how, did you, yeah. how did you rework that part? How did you re- rework that first step? part, the, the first mm, step. As we mm. all know about anything, the first step is admitting you have a problem yes. or I'm not disclosing anything by saying that. How did you work around that bit? Yeah, well, like I said, you know, I certainly had no intention of, of reinventing the wheel, so I recalibrated it and I put it into four-wheel drive mode for bushies and I went, okay, so Andrew G or Shanawan is not going to walk into a building in their small country town in their distinctive ute and their distinctive red glasses and think they're going to be not seen how do I get around it? And I went, I'm going to use the magical interweb. (laughs) But I knew it was going to take time, Osha. I knew it was going to take a lot of time. So basically, I started out by just sharing my own story on my own social media. Mm -hmm. And then that evolved into a Facebook page that I called Sober in the Country. And I just started sharing chats. Now, the thing that you would probably know with Rural is Australia is it's a teeny tiny space and there's only there's one degree of separation whether you're in Western Australia or the East Coast. Every bloody body knows everybody in the rural sector. It's extraordinary. So I knew the word would travel because people have morbid curiosity and I was basically putting myself forward as a lab rat and going bugger it. I'm going to go first. I'm going to just start talking the truth because I know it's not just me. I know so many of my friends drink deadly amounts of grog just like me. So I'm just going to talk and use my highly imperfect story and this highly imperfect person as a vessel to just share. I was just taking sharing to a platform. That's all. No judgment, no telling, none of that, just sharing. And um, I broke my anonymity wide open because, like you just said, I didn't care anymore. Everyone already knew. And naming it and facing it was what actually changed everything. So I went, right, I'll just chat. But what I was finding is people who I was mates with would see me at events and go, oh, my God, Shanna, I'm really, really getting a lot out of what you're putting online, but I'm terrified to engage because someone might think I've got a problem if I comment on Sober in the Country and I went, oh, my God, wow, the barriers, they're just endless. So I developed a strategy to create a private Facebook group and within no time that just blew up and it blew up so quickly 
that then people were running into each other in anonymous Facebook groups and going, shit, but I now know this person, so I'm not going to say anything anymore. Right. So it's (laughs) – honestly, Osha, it's just been six years of evolution, 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 and today – Sober in the Country is a national charity and under that national charity, I created a platform that we call The Bush Tribe, which is off Facebook. It's a secure website where people can log in, call themselves whatever the hell they want and they can be anonymous in a group. And so that is how we're smashing those first hurdles and letting people find their feet, letting them find their courage. But they know, and as you and I know, if you were to walk down Pitt Street and attend a random meeting, you could go to a meeting for gay people, you might go to a meeting for um, mums, dads, first-timers, whatever. You know how there's lots of different layers of meetings. Ours is for rural people who identify as rural. It's simple as that. So it's an online support peer group where people can chat safely and anonymously. It's not complicated. <laughs> no, I love it. So this is a, obviously, and it's very interesting you say that because people may also not understand it. I do talk about it in my book when I say the first meetings I went to were all gay meetings because the person that I asked for help was a gay man, beautiful gay man. And so he's like, well, we'll just come to my meetings. And I went to the first meetings I went to were all gay. And straight away, I was like, okay, so you grew up in Kentucky. You're this person is, you're, you know, 20 years younger than me, but you're, telling exactly my story, even though we could not be two more completely different human beings from the other sides of the planet, but what's coming out of your mouth is exactly how I feel. Oh, I'm not so special. (laughs) But that's not to say that there aren't particular uh, intricacies of the lifestyle that one comes from, which is why there are meetings for men, meetings for women, meetings for, you know, gay men, meetings for gay women. So similarly, it's interesting that the cross-sectionality you've found of, of rural, because there is a particular recipe of factors that can lend to problematic uh, drinking and drug use in rural yeah, environments. Absolutely. A, as you mentioned before, isolation. You're 100K from the GPO. No one's going to pop over and see you when you're, you know, yeah. out the back with a case of Woody's in the shard. No one's going to know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No one's going to know. And, you know, you could show up once a month and that's a fair, you know, you've been, you've been busy. And that's fine. You know, you've been fencing. You know, I've been, I've got 20,000 hectares here. I'm, you know, I'm on a camp on my own property for the last three weeks. And that's, you know, no one cares. And that's fine. It's, you know, it's not without its own challenges of the, the way that the climate affects uh, people's, you know, something so overpoweringly large and uncontrollable can affect people's financial outcomes, um, whether it be not enough rain or too much rain can really change people's lives. And then, you know, there's this underlying Australian mythical, stoic, powerful, you know, (laughs) person from the land who's, you know, at the prow of the ship, you know, just like taking the batterings and being the the tough one for the rest of us to all go, well, the people in the bush, they're the best. Well, you know what? People in the bush, they've got feelings too. And people in the bush have a hard time coping with stress just as much as you and me. So I understand how you found a little point in that intersectionality to get there. What are the things that you found have have worked for people who are at the same time dealing with such a huge amount of space? I'm talking thousands and thousands of square kilometers and square miles, yet Mm. such an intimate community where there may only be, I don't know, 500 people in that space and every one of them knows everyone. So the way I've gotten through it is exactly what I did for me, which is I'm just in, like I said, I keep going first. Like I've been doing this for six years, 15,000 hours, literally just constantly just speaking truth about the challenges of overcoming addiction in permanent isolation, which I'll just sidestep for a second and say, isn't it funny to see with COVID-19, our federal and state leaders are suddenly pumping out millions of dollars because they they are gleefully exclaiming that it's unacceptable that all these people might slip through the cracks because they can't, can't get to a meeting, can't get to support. And I kind of at that point wanted to fall over and put my, you know, scream and kick my legs like a little toddler because that's exactly what I've been advocating for six years. Rural people live in isolation as their normal the challenges are so different. They're so hard, Osha. And that's the thing. What you said before about going to a gay meeting, it's so true. Once you immerse yourself in in chats around booze, we're all the bloody same. We're all the same. But I think why this conversation and this laser-focused point of ID with the charity is working so well is because we've just been overlooked for so long as a demographic. Lots of money goes to the bottom end of the scale into, say, for example, welfare and Indigenous and so forth in the rural community. And that's vital and it's imperative. But 
one of the focuses for this and what we do, right, is to go upstream and catch people before they fall in. And no one's looking at the Shannas and the Oshers and the whatever's in the rural demographic because we have good hair and drive cars. But actually what's happening, right, in that demographic is these people have been farming in years and years and years of drought or flood or now pandemics and they're bloody done. And the one thing rural people fall back to over and over and over is grog to anaesthetise the exhaustion, the fear, the financial pressure, the isolation. It's just on tap, literally. And so to go right back to what you originally said is, you know, what is working? What's working is just giving this entirely overlooked demographic representation and a voice in the media and online. Because I think honestly, you know, I often think, I wonder why my life was spared. (laughs) I kind of do have a faith in how things work. And I believe the reason that this little black duck right here was spared was because I was childless I was a gifted communicator. I was a recovering, then recovered alcoholic. I had an Australia-wide network and I knew how bloody massive this problem was and that would take somebody very, very determined to crack this open. And like I said before, like I've risked everything to crack this chat open because it's so hard, but it could only ever have been done by a rural person who knows what it's like And most of what we see advocated for or spoken about in addictions or from our government or whatever, it comes from inner city spaces and we have to get boots on the ground. So I believe, I believe the reason it's working and that it's going and gaining traction and that we're reaching people, we're just talking their language, we're one of them, there's nothing special about me at all, I'm just one of us, you know, and as you and I both know, sobriety is a we thing, not a me thing and this Charity is kind of like a big warm hug for a bush community who's never had that hug and needs it more than anybody. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a very powerful phrase, and I, you know, I use it a lot when I talk about my eldest. She's 16, and that you can't be what you can't see. All right, you flash 50 years back in time, a 16-year-old girl would be like, well, I might get a job as a typist and then if I'm lucky, I'll meet a man and then I'll get pregnant and I'll have a few kids by the time I'm 23. And that's the limit of her contribution to the community. And that would be because that's all she can see, all right? Growing up, as a young man in Brisbane, which was a cow town, let's be honest, at the end of the at the end of the eighties, Brisbane was just a big cow town. It it's, was. A, it's a bit different now, but it was a big cow. It's just a little fancier than Toowoomba because we had a high rise building. <laughs> so you can't be what you can't see. So there was no one or no model of what it was to be a young adult man that didn't involve binge drinking, that didn't involve getting plastered, that it didn't involve look at this amazing photo we took of uh, uh, what's the name? I don't know. Um, here's a photo of Hank doing the helicopter, which is when you projectile vomit and you spin <gasps> and, and someone takes a photo of it. Like that was a proud thing. Look at, check out Hank's helicopter. Fuck ye! Like that was the height oh, mate. of Nothing achievement. Nothing was better than a helicopter. You know? That was the height of achievement. But yeah. that's all that I saw. <laughs> I didn't see a, a 19 or 20 year old guy going, no, actually, no, I'm not drinking. I'm working on my startup 
or no, I'm not drinking. I'm, you know, en- engaging yes. in a really wonderful yes. romantic yep. relationship with my partner and he's a great bloke. No modeling, but, like uh, no modeling. So None at all. To the point where it's it's ingrained in the culture. I mean, for fuck's sake, Slim Dusty's told us that we love to have a beer with Duncan since we were children. And it's oh. a catchy, it's a bloody catchy jingle, I isn't know. it? The I atmosphere know. is great. I want to yeah. go there. I want to go there. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I just say, like, have you ever listened to country music lyrics? They all revolve around getting pissed because yeah. your girlfriend left you or pissed because it rained. It's unbelievable. And, and no offence to country music artists. I know that that's not, you know, but it's, it's, it is incredible. It's just rampant, isn't it? Culturally rampant. So how do you how do you then model a different way of being an adult? How do you then... Because, like I said, you can't be what you can't see. How do you then try to show a different way of being a young man or a young woman? Because it starts when you're young and then it just gets worse and worse and worse. Absolutely. So you've obviously got to start when people just, like, turn 18 or 16 or something, 17, let's be honest. How do you then model that as a way of stopping people dropping down into that extreme levels where, as you mentioned, the interventions have to take place where a lot of the government funding is going? Good question. There's a couple of things, right? Depending on whether I'm speaking to uni students or people at the end stages of alcoholism, I kind of tackle things differently. But I believe modelling comes down to just going quietly, going softly and just living through example. And something, I tell you, geez, I've had some hard lessons along the way in the last six years. I knew going into speaking publicly about sobriety in the country I was going into perilous and uncharted territory. I knew I was pioneering something. I knew I'd come under fire and cop criticism, and I did. Not much, but when the hits came, I was like, learn from it, learn from it, learn from it. So the way I've done it is to never judge, never tell, never make sweeping statements, but just to, like literally I throw myself under the bus over and over and over because I know I'm a typical example. So my story in a snapshot, Osha, is kid who grew up on a farm, kid who went to boarding school, kid who went to university, kid who bolted out the front gates with my eyes wide open and my hair back at the age of 18. But in my example, I ran, I had some very traumatic events happened when I was 18, 19, including sexual assault and rape. And I was isolated, couldn't get help, couldn't get support. Cliche, cliche, cliche. I turned to partying to hide. And so it goes. Whatever reason someone young in the country begins drinking and abusing grog and going far too hard far too often, you and I know it only escalates. And if they don't, look at why that's happening. And so um, I just pick and choose how I speak through social media or radio or TV. I've done so many amazing things now with this. And as I continually say to everybody, I'm just a garden variety recovered alcoholic. My story is not unusual, but if me telling it, will give somebody courage, then I'll keep bloody telling it. I'll just keep sharing it. I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert. I'm not going to tell you I'm a guru or the influencer you should follow. I don't like the ego with that. I do not like people looking up to me because I am flawed and I'm at pains to reiterate that and keep saying, I'm just one of us, you guys. I'm not the answer, but I'll tell you for a fact, there are answers and there is hope. And so I just try as a model, <laughs> sounds so funny, I just try as a, um, a modeling grown up to just be really humble and really authentic and really, really real because I believe that when, whether it's an 18-year-old and, oh, my God, Osher, I've got to tell you, I get some messages from country kids that leave me in tears saying, Shanna, thank you so much for what you're doing. When you spoke at our university about what's going on when you were there, it's my story. I really resonated with it. Thank you for starting this conversation you know, and I just I just want to cry because if I can prevent that kid from being a Shanna who becomes addicted and nearly loses their life, then what greater purpose could there be? You know, but if I'm speaking to a 40-year-old who's in end-stage chronic addiction, who's isolating and drinking at home but still presenting to their community, again, I'm just speaking truth. I just speak truth. It's all I do because it's all I can do. I'm... I'm I don't know, mate. I just be who I am and uh, I just put my heart into it. There's so much heart and faith and and soul behind what I do and I think it translates. Um, yeah. Have you found that over the course of doing this, uh, you know, when we talk about the young people that are reaching out to you, have you found that yo- those young people are then, because there's no other way 
to work across the vast physical distances that exist within a non-metropolitan Australia, there is no other way to do it other than through a distributed network of people. You can't be on the ground everywhere. You simply can't. You can't be in Batuta and Mount Isa and Burke and, you know, yeah, <laughs> freaking, you know, Cooper's Creek. You can't do any of those things all at once. You have to rely on the people who are within your community, within your network. Have you found that starting to happen? Oh my God, yes, yes, yes. And I get goosebumps. I just get goosebumps when I think about this. Yeah, absolutely. So, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rural people within our bush tribe network. In other words, that private offline support community. And again, all we're doing there is saying it's peer support. We're not saying we'll solve your problems or fix you, but come here and we will hug you and let you know you're not alone. And because of the conversations happening within that group, Andrew over here and Shanna over there and Joe Blow over here are starting to speak up and speak out. And it is powerful beyond measure. And it's really interesting, you know, we did Australian Story did a episode on me called Last Drinks. I think it's nearly a year ago now. And even in the last 12 months, the traction and the change in this conversation has been massive. And yeah, so each individual who grasps a hold of the simple concept, and by the way, our catchphrase through the charity is, it's okay to say no. We're not demonising you if you can have a drink safely, but we're saying plenty of your mates actually can't. So when they say no, let it be no and don't be a dickhead. Get them a soda water and just continue. Get on your bike, keep rolling. So again, you know, I've had to learn to ensure that we're really inclusive and friendly in our language because people are waiting to kick back on this chat. So I think somehow by I don't know, I've just bumbled along and figured out a way to make this a very friendly chat that a young, whether it's an 18-year-old student fresh out of school heading off to uni, or if it is a 40-year-old or a 50 or a 60-year-old in a country pub in rural Australia. I'm kind of giving people tools and information and equipment through this charity to have the chat that is historically so hard to have. And it's a little bit like a Me Too movement. We're just making it easier and less frightening. And the conversation is getting so much momentum that I hear stories every day from all over the outback from people going, God, Shan, thank you so much. I've been following your page for four years. I've never said anything before, but I felt like I needed to reach out to you today and let you know I was at my pub the other day. And normally when someone says, have a drink, harden up, have a drink, I get upset and offended and I leave. And I turned around the other day and I said, I don't drink. Please don't ask me that again. And thank you for teaching me how to speak about this. And I went, amazing. Yeah, it's that's one of a bazillion. I, I... yeah, look, it's endless, the ramifications. It is self-perpetuating and as, yeah. as Brene Brown says, courage is contagious and I think this charity has opened up portholes and we as a community are just feeding a user-friendly version of a rural chat far and wide and people are catching it and passing it on and they're getting it. It's so good. I love what you said there because you're not only educating people who might have identified that they <laughs> – might not be able to drink like other mm. people, though. This idea, I think it's more rare than people want to acknowledge to be able to have one or two and then just go home. In my experience of the people that, maybe it's just, you know, bear in mind that I'm just going off the people that I knew and grew yeah. up with, so we all knew and grew up with the same yeah. kind of drinking. It is very it is very rare to find a person who's like, nah, nah, one's fine. I don't really know that person, yeah. right? So not only educating the people to go, you know, none is okay, but to educate people to say, if someone says they don't want to drink, it's okay. You don't have to. And talk to me a little bit more about why that is powerful, because that's not just the person who's making the choice to not drink. It's educating the person who's like, it's like saying, it doesn't matter who that person over there has sex with, a man or a woman. It's got nothing to do with you. They're still a nice person. They're still good at their job. It's fine. You know, or it doesn't matter what that person chooses to believe for their religion. You know, they may pray to Jesus. They may pray to Allah. They may pray to Buddha. They may pray to Zenu. It's fine. It doesn't have anything to do with you. They're still good at their job. They're still kind. And they'll, you know, they'll be just the perfect person to do the thing that you want them to do. So talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me a bit about trying to explain to people that it's all right if people around you don't drink. Yeah, look, that I reckon that's been the most successful aspect of what we're doing, whether it was me back in 2018 as a volunteer or me today as the CEO, whatever. You know, I think that bringing that inclusivity to this chat has been a game changer because I remember when I first started 
experimenting with that aspect of the chat, I would put a call out saying, hey, country fellas, I've got a challenge for you. Next time your mate comes to the bar after a big day in the yards, and I'll give you a classic example, Osha, like let's say you've been at the sale yards all day and you're a livestock agent. Classic thing that would happen is livestock agent one and two are standing at the bar. Livestock agent one goes, what can I get you, mate? And he says, I don't drink. And the first thing the other bloke will do is turn around and say, oh, you can't trust a bloke who says no to a beer. That's the first thing a country boy is taught. It's a horrendous, archaic, revolting mentality that nobody thinks to challenge, question, or even raise as an issue because it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it kind of is a nightmare for someone trying to get sober in the country. So I tried to flip the conversation on its head and I started saying, fellas, if a mate says no to a drink at the bar, I challenge you to say, what can I get you, a soda water, and then leave it at that. Let her know be a no. Look after your mates because you do not know what is going on behind that no. And I guess it's funny, I have a particularly huge soft spot for blokes in the country, Osha, because as I'm sure you know from your rural connections, country blokes are stoic and tough and all those things you said earlier. God, they're just so built for toughness that they don't know how to be vulnerable. And one of the most heartbreaking things I'll give you an example of which really drove how I shifted conversations onto being about the friend without the drinking problem, how I put responsibility on others. It came about because a very dear friend of mine who lost his family and would have lost his life came to me and was a raging alcoholic. He's now three years sober and his family is back together. It's a beautiful success story. But that fella, within his first year of sobriety, which we know is really precarious and really scary, Everywhere he went, people were punching in the arm saying, have one, you soft cock, harden up, have another one, what's wrong with you? Now, these are people who knew his family had left. They knew he was in dire straits. And I still remember, I still remember the day that fellow rang me in an absolute state of hysterics. And this is a good man, Osha, a good man. And I said, mate, when you get off the phone from me today and your friend's find out that your wife and kids have had to leave you until you get help. The first thing they're going to do is ring you and say, I'm going to come over with a carton. Just prepare yourself. And I need you to be ready to say, don't do that. That's the problem. I need you to not do that. So this fellow got six phone calls within half an hour. And that's exactly what every single one of them said. I'm coming over with a carton. So he was prepared and equipped to say no. But the point of the story is I watched this fellow go through sobriety, right? He's a pioneer in my opinion as well. And throughout that first year, just he just kept getting hammered and hammered and hammered. And when his mates realized he wasn't going to weaken and have a drink, they stopped inviting him to barbecues and they isolated him socially. And I, this raging monster of, of, of just social justice rose up within me and I was so upset by that I just cried and cried and I thought what are we doing wrong as a society when one of our mates who's been good enough to stand next to us and get shit-faced at the pub for 20 years all he's doing is saying no thank you and we're isolating him are you kidding me he's not saying you're bad you're evil get away from me all he's saying is no thank you and you're pushing this fella into isolation when he's already geographically isolated. And it just, listen to me go, sorry, you can tell how no, passionate it's fine, I am. it's fine. It, it just, it broke my heart into a thousand pieces because in the city, Osha or Shanna or whoever, we could go and find a different social circle or go to a different beach or go to a different pub. You can't do that in the bush. This is your community that you have grown up with and been with your whole life and now they're shunning you because you're sober. And I went, that is absolute bullshit. That is not good enough. And so I started kind of calling people out online, not names, but just saying, guys, we've got to do better than this. Are you kidding me? Would you say to your mate who's got cancer, have a ciggy mate, you'll be right, when he's just been diagnosed with lung cancer? Would you do that? Or would you say, don't you bloody touch it? We've got you. Stop pushing your mates to just have one because they might be on the brink of life and death. Stop it. And then I realized evangelical Shanna had to probably soften up a bit. And from that righteous indignation that made me just want to cry every night, I, saw, I eventually worked my way through it. 
And that's where the hashtag it's okay to say no was born, you know, and I just, it's probably some, I don't know, that's not an unusual thing to say, but I just kept saying, guys, it's okay to say no. When a mate says no, just let it be okay. Let a no be a no. I'm calling on you to help me help our mates, please. Yeah. Please. And that now has a life of its own. And have, yeah. have your have your ego stroked a little, right? If a guy who doesn't drink goes to the pub, he's not there for the booze. He's there to see you because yes. he likes oh, you and he likes the conversations you have with him. And you believe that. So <laughs> understand that if he didn't want to drink, he would just stay at home. But no, he's going there because he wants to be around you because he likes you. Because he's your mate that that's, you've been best mates with for 30 years, you that's, Wally. That's why he's there. <laughs> and same, or she's there. You know, that's why. Oh, mate. Can I tell you, Osha, I was doing this amazing Zoom one day with some bush people. God, it was lovely because more and more and more and more people are having this yarn now. It's so good. And halfway through the Zoom, this girl goes, oh, and she put her hand over her mouth and I said, what? And she goes, oh, my God, I've just realised we don't stock anything in our fridge for a non-drinker ever, like nothing. <laughs> and we've got two boys on the farm who knock off on a Friday and go straight home. And we've never thought to ask why. We know they don't drink, so we just say, see ya. And after a Zoom I'd been having right with this country um, town one day, I said, guys, we want to be included, but we're sick of drinking shit that's sugar and we're sick of being excluded. So just bring us in. We haven't had a lobotomy. We're just not drinking. So put some bloody zero beer in your fridge or some soda water with a twist of lime. Be radical, man, and start to look after your mates mm. who don't drink. Please, for the love of God. Anyway, i got to tell you, it was so beautiful. This girl sent me a message three days later on Instagram of these two boys in their checkered shirts, as happy as can be, holding whatever, no alcohol, whatever it was, with a big thumbs up. She goes, we stocked the fridge. We told them we'd been hopeless for not thinking of them. And they went, oh, this is the best. Thank you so much. And and yeah, I got goosebumps all over again. It's just including people who've yeah. got nowhere else to go. And like I keep saying to on our social media, I go, fellas, if you own a country pub, do you know you can still make profit from a really awesome boutique, zero or no or low alcohol drink? And yeah. do you know people like me will walk into your pub and pay through the nose because you're catering for us for the first time? If you brew your own kombucha... I will drink your kombucha. I will drink your dirty kombucha. <laughs> I will pay nine bucks a glass. <laughs> I your, will. I really will because it's mm. got that. But, but at first, and, and just to be honest, home. Just speaking of zero alcohol beer and homebrew kombucha, yep. I can't do either because there's enough. Me there's enough alcohol either in it. I can do kombucha from the um, supermarket because yep. it's got. The, the alcohol trace in it is, yes. is not there. But yep. when it's someone's made it themselves, it's very rare that the alcohol is low enough and it's enough to – it's like someone who's got an anaphylactic peanut allergy. The tiniest amount of it sets yes. it off in my brain and I'm out. Um, so I can't do zero alcohol beer. Audrey loves it. Audrey loves the zero beers. I can't do them. I tried one once. I actually won't touch them with a barge pole. Can't and do And if it. you've ever seen in all your spare time, if you're browsing our social media, <laughs> you'll see that I actually will always say, have you ever heard the expression non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics? And I always have big fat it's disclaimers true. around that for that reason. Yeah, it's true. I won't touch it with a stick, Osha. I won't no, touch it with a I stick. I'm like, guys, things that smelt and tasted like beer or wine, it's what – nearly killed me. So, no thanks. No. Thanks, but no thanks. No. However, what about our mates, right, who didn't go to end-stage alcoholism, who just want to have a tasty thing that does taste like a beer, but go they can still it. drive there. You're right. Get home to Yeah. You're fine. But like I said, like, I know that I'm different and that that's fine and it's Special. okay. Well, there's, you know, there's a, it's really interesting. You know, some people get bitten by the bug, other people don't. The bug nearly ate me. It's indiscriminate. It's absolutely indiscriminate. If people are listening to this and they, they may not be in the country, they may be in the country, you know, they may be in another country, how can they get involved with what you're doing? Oh, look, the easiest thing I could suggest is just visit our website, which is soberinthecountry.org, and have a look at who we are and what we do. And, I mean, look, as I said, we're a grassroots bush charity. We don't have government funding. We are in our first year of operation, but thank God for amazing philanthropists who've gotten behind us and given seed funding. So we're, even though I've been at this for a long, 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 long time, the charity itself is only one year new. 
So the best thing people can do to get involved is have a look, learn what we're doing, learn the essential nature of this message in this work and help us, help us. But if there are people needing help who are rural, please come visit the Bush Tribe and come and hang with us. But if you're somebody from Croatia or Sydney or anywhere else in the globe listening, I would say just jump on your damn internet and Google sobriety, recovery, support, whatever. There are boundless resources available online now, boundless. But, yeah, when it when it comes to us, we do want people involved, Osha. I, I would love it if some amazing wealthy philanthropic human is listening going this sounds like a good cause please please contact me because we want to actually stay independent from government funding we want to grow and grow but stay independent because that way we can stay very authentic and very real and we need support to do that so currently we've got hundreds of people we are supporting and it's a constant battle as anyone knows when you're a charity to secure funding. So whether you want to get involved by helping or sharing or or join the chats, it's all really clearly outlined on the website. We're not presenting as all things to all people, but we're definitely helping an overlooked demographic and we need some help. (laughs) If you know any amazing people in the film industry who want an amazing documentary, just saying. (laughs) We got a lot of work to do, Osha. We got a lot of work to do, mate. But what we've proven, hand over fist, is that this conversation has legs, we're saving lives, we're changing lives, we're making huge impact against all odds and all lack thereof of government support, acknowledgement, awareness or funding. And we're, we're, we're gathering momentous traction because Australia's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> and you really don't realise this until you leave. I remember when I first got to Los Angeles, uh, I won't say who, but it was a rather famous Australian actress. She stood up in an event I was at and it was a lunchtime thing and she mm. made a joke going, you don't realise you're an alcoholic until you leave Australia. Oh, God. <laughs> you really don't because if you yeah. grow up around the culture, you don't think of anything different of it. And then once you go to another country where socialisation doesn't revolve uh. completely around drinking, you're like... Oh, I'm, the- <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one cracking a tin at 12.01? Oh, okay. I'll, okay. All right. Well, uh, well, it's open now. May as well. May as well, um, may as well finish this carton off. Yes. Well, be, be rude not to. Warmer wellies. <laughs> it would be unsociable. Yeah. Warmer work boots is fine. <laughs> Shana, it's uh, sorry, Shanna. It's great to finally contact you, and it's great to be in touch with you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you for for sharing what you're sharing. People might be in a very, very, very metropolitan area, but I'm sure that they can get a lot, even just out of the. It's okay if someone you know says no. It's totally fine if they don't. 100%. We wouldn't force anyone to do anything. We don't want to force anyone to do anything that's uncomfortable for them. And saying no, no to a drink is. Which is fine. It doesn't mean anything about you. But if they're there standing in front of you at this social event, it means they want to be there. They just exactly. <laughs> not there for the and booze. Remember, we didn't have a lobotomy. We're no. just saying we don't want a beverage <laughs> of the alcoholic variety. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> uh, you're the best. Shanna, thanks heaps for taking the time and have a lovely walk with Fleabag today. Oh, mate. And can I just say thank you for your advocacy and your work and also for looking so fantastic in red glasses. <laughs> and um, It's all in the lighting, Shanna. <laughs> and honestly, for giving us a platform to just share the message, mate, because that's, as you and I know, that's what it's all about, sharing hope and um, sharing our stories and giving putting a light into a dark spot for other people. That's that's all it is that we're here to do. And you've just probably helped us spotlight a shit ton more people. So muchas gracias. The check is in the mail. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I wouldn't even know what to do with a check if it arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Actually just, I'm lying, I have no money, but just I'll send a piece you a lot of, of paper love. with pen written on it. I don't know. Is this, is this also money? <laughs> all right legend, have a cracking day. Thanks for your time, love. Thanks, Osha. That was Shanna Wan. She's uh, on Instagram and Facebook, Sober in the Country. If you've heard that and you've gone, actually, you know what? I do need some help. Put your hand up. Go and find yourself some help. There's plenty, particularly now with online, with Zoom meetings. My God, there's so much help everywhere. Put your hand up and ask for help. It's. I was telling my friend the other day, it's pretty much free therapy and it's extraordinary. It's life-changing. So go stick your hand up. You'd be amazed how many people are willing to help you. 
and uh, help you live a life that's free of the things that might be holding you back. Massive thanks to Shanna for being on the show. Big thank you to Rachel Barrett, my uh, show producer, Andy Ma, my audio producer, Hayley Van Spanier on the socials, and of course, the great and powerful Mike Mills, aka Toe Hider, who also has a brand new album out. Go find Toe Hider on Spotify and have your mind blown. Um, thanks, Toe Hider. Thanks so much for being here. Take care of yourself. I'll see you Wednesday for Dad Pod, and I'll be back here on Friday. If you need me between now and then, email me, send us your email at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitch. Just It's free to create an account. Just follow me on Twitch, and it'll let you know when I'm live. And, uh, yeah, come and find me. This week has been another big week for me, but, yeah, I generally will f- try and find time to ride my bike on the weekends in Wolfie's first nap. That's, like, the main time you're definitely going to catch me. Until then sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.